Um, this is my favorite time of the year for sure. Um, there's really no question about that for several reasons. And um, we, uh, a few weeks ago, I kind of made a comment about how sometimes um, you can have, um, oftentimes, new churches, church plants, um, spring up from a younger group. And sometimes it's a reaction to uh, traditionalism or breaking molds or, or whatever. And, and those things aren't all bad. I mean, it's, I think, when God lays something on um, people's heart, God gives them a vision, uh, they need to pursue that. And I think those are, that's a good thing. Um, one of the things I, I do like about the Christmas season, though, is um, this season, kind of in traditional terms, we, we refer to it as a season of Advent. And um, you may have grown up in a church that really pushed this idea of Advent. Um, I, I honestly, my, the church I grew up in, we, we, we spent a month going through Christmas stories and stuff like that, but we didn't attach the term Advent to it. Um, but I think it's important for a couple of reasons. One, um, this idea of Advent is, um, when you, if you were to look up the term, it's the uh, idea of awaiting the arrival of something important. Um, for us in our faith, it's this idea of preparation. Preparation for Christmas. So when you look at a traditional um, Christmas calendar, Advent typically is four weeks, four weeks leading up to Christmas. And usually your final Advent service is your Christmas Eve service. Why I think it's so important when it comes to um, our church, when it comes to our faith, to take time to enter in this idea of an Advent season, it's because we can so quickly get consumed with the materialism connected to Christmas that we lose out on the faith. And so um, this morning, we, we um, Courtney yesterday made this um, Advent wreath. And over the next few weeks, we're going to light a candle each week. And, and each candle has a different meaning behind it. Um, the first candle is the candle of hope. And um, I'm going to actually light the back candle because we're going to do communion and I don't want anybody's dress or anything to catch on fire. <laughs> we just got the chairs, right? <laughs> um, but um, it's, it's the candle of hope. Um, some traditions um, call it the candle of expectation. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this scripture that we're going to actually talk about this morning, and then um, I'm going to light the candle. This is Isaiah chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to it, you can. Isaiah chapter 9. We'll look at verses 3 through 7. So Isaiah chapter 9, verses 3 through 7. It says, You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they, are, when they divided the spoil. For the yoke of, this, of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. The two verses here that are very, very familiar to us during this season. Verse 6 says, For unto us 
a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So this morning we light the candle of hope. Let's pray. Lord, um, we thank you for this day and for all the things that you've done for us. And Lord, I thank you for this season of hope, a season of um, time where we can ponder what you truly did in wide-eyed amazement. So this morning, uh, as we begin this season of Advent, Lord, I, I ask that you help us over the next few weeks to grab a hold of this concept of Christmas. Lord, may we experience a different type of Christmas this year in our faith, in our family, in our church, in our community. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so um, the next few weeks, we're going to go on a Christmas um, series. And you guys know that I, we typically just go verse by verse through a book of the Bible. But we break away from it on occasion, sometimes during the holidays. Last year, if you recall, we went um, on a journey. We called it Journey to Bethlehem. And we kind of chronicled the different characters involved in the Christmas story. And this year, we're going we're gonna to look at something a little bit different. Um, in the next few weeks, we're going to look at Christmas different. And um, there's a couple reasons why I think it's important for us to look at Christmas different this year. Um, I was looking at some statistics. Um, so holiday sales in the U.S., holiday retail sales. Um, last, this is based off of last year because we obviously just went into this. Last year, the U.S., we spent $619.9 billion dollars a lot of cash um cyber monday which i guess is tomorrow right is that cyber monday yeah i guess it's like the online version of black friday or sort of something like that another excuse to spend more money but last year um 122.9 million dollars were spent on that one day they say the average number of gifts one person per person expected to purchase is 12.9. So, um, so what ends up happening is like the ladies buy like 25 gifts and the guys buy one, right? Probably how we get to that number. Because in my mind, I was, like, I was like, wow, that sounds like a lot. Because I, I know I don't spend, or I don't buy 13 gifts a year, or a year, let alone Christmas. <laughs> um, last year, um, in the United States, we spent $1.16 billion on Christmas trees just last year. This is where I, because I, 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 I don't want us to, sometimes I think during Christmas time, what happens is pastors can get up here and beat people up for spending money on gifts. I'm not the Grinch. 
Um, but I want to use some of this to help gain some perspective. This is, I, I find this interesting. 92% of Americans celebrate Christmas. Okay, 92% of Americans celebrate Christmas. Approximately 40% consider it a cultural holiday. That means no religious value. It's a cultural, it's Santa Claus. Um, this is what I find interesting when we break some of these statistics down. Um, for those who are ages 65 and above, 66% celebrate Christmas as a religious holiday. Okay, so those 65 and above celebrate Christmas from a religious perspective. 66%. Those who fall in the age bracket of 30 to 49, my bracket, 50% celebrate Christmas as a religious holiday. Ages 18 to 29, 39% celebrate Christmas as a religious holiday. In the midst of the season, we obviously know that there's all sorts of travel activity, and um, they expect 94.5 million Americans to journey 50 miles or more during Christmas, and 91% of them will travel by car. So Christmas time is not a season of calm, is it? For most, if we're honest, Christmas is a time of chaos, isn't it? Um, We exert a lot of time and energy going around from store to store trying to find the perfect gift for everyone in our family. Or the ladies do that. The guys hope their wives find it. Um, Oftentimes we spend money that we don't have which in turn creates more frustration. Oftentimes, um, it's almost um, like we're trying to pack our family in a car um, and get to the next location as quickly as possible. And instead of singing Christmas carols in the car, it's hollering and screaming, usually from the parents of the children. <laughs> while the children in the back are hollering at each other. See, Christmas time can very easily turn into one of these holidays to where we miss the entire purpose. So the next few weeks, I want to challenge us as we begin to think and prepare for Christmas. And I do believe, um, as Christians, we ought to prepare for Christmas. Shame on us if we wake up Christmas Day, and that's it. I want us to try and look at Christmas differently this year. And I know every pastor in America is probably telling their congregation the same thing today. There's a good chance next year when you come back, I'm going to say the same thing to you. But I really want us to take a few moments over the next few weeks on a regular basis to stop, take a deep breath, And remember the real reason why we celebrate Christmas. As I said, when we talk about Advent, um, there's this idea of of awaiting something very important. Um, 
Oftentimes, when we get to Christmas time, we park the bus in Luke chapter 2. Today, I want us to go back to the Old Testament. We just read in Isaiah. We read that passage, we understand that when that day occurred in Luke chapter 2, those people were awaiting something. They were awaiting their Messiah. Today, we're awaiting something as well. Those statistics tell us that people all over our community are awaiting something. For some people, they're awaiting the gifts on the Christmas list. For some, it's awaiting um, that time with family. For some, it's just um, a relationship that they hope to begin. They're waiting for something. But the sad part is, most today are not waiting for Jesus. I love this particular passage in Isaiah, and Isaiah is one of my favorite books in the Bible. I find it amazing that here you have the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus is born, prophesying about that amazing moment, the, uh, this amazing king. And I want us just, for the next few moments, um, and it's not going to be overly long because we're going to do communion as well. Think of this, this passage again that we, we read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 3 through 7. Isaiah here is speaking, he says, You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Verse 4 says, For the yoke of this burden, the staff for his shoulder, the rod for his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. That, those first few vor- verses there in um, Isaiah chapter 9 tells us that the ministry of the coming Messiah was to bring joy. That coming Messiah, he was going to bring joy. And it's interesting that this um, illustration that Isaiah uses, he says there, the day of Midian. What does that mean, the day of Midian? He's referencing back further in the Old Testament to Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. A familiar story. Most of us who grew up in church remember this story. For some of us guys, it's, it's one of our favorite stories. You remember, the, you remember Gideon? Right? Gideon's going to go try and conquer Midian. And he starts off with this army, and, and we know it's over 22,000 people in this army. We know that because um, that's the second wave that comes back after he cuts the first group out. Jesus tells, or God tells him, that's too many people. Go, cut them out. He whittles down from over 22,000 down to 300. 300. And then like Gideon's like, all right, now we're going to start blowing trumpets. It's an amazing story. I would encourage you guys this week, go back, read Judges chapter 7. But they go, under God's divine influence and involvement, Gideon and 300 men conquer Midian it's awesome an amazing story amazing celebration amazing joy that came out of that and that's what Isaiah is referencing there when he talks about this day of Midian the same kind of joy this fulfillment this overcoming the oppressor that the Messiah would one day bring and do we go down to verse 6 the part that we often quote and read and think about during this Christmas season says, For to us a child is born, 
to us a son is given. You know, it's interesting in that first part of that verse, we see the dual nature of Jesus Christ. We see um, the humanity in the first part where we see for to us a child is born. Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus Christ coming and being born as a baby. We, we think about this during this season, don't we? About Jesus, baby Jesus. We think about that manger scene. But have you guys ever really stepped back and really truly thought about that? I mean, truly thought about Jesus, the Son of God, coming in the form of a baby. We have downstairs a few babies. We have a few more on the way from what I hear. I can remember um, the first time I held each of my children. And every parent and grandparent in here can remember the same. You remember that first time you picked up that child? How, how innocent it was? How helpless that child was? You guys understand that the Son of God came in that same way, in the same manner. That is amazing to me. It's where we see um, the divinity of God there is um, not only was he born as a child, but to us a son is given. John 3.16, I quote it often. For God so loved the world that he gave gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life see so in that verse um, the beginning of verse chapter six or of verse six we see the the humanity of christ and the child was born but then we see the divinity of christ and it was a son that was given the son given from god And the government shall be upon his shoulder. This is a reference to days that are still yet to come. You know, when we as Christians begin to think of this Advent season, of the the preparation of the coming of the birth of Christ, Christmas, we also have another Advent to come, a second Advent, the second coming of Christ. Jesus Christ is going to come once again. And when he does come, the government will be upon his shoulder. This is what I want us to think about for the next few minutes. When Isaiah says, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those names given there to the coming Messiah Names back in the Old Testament days and and during Bible times are much different than names we give today. Typically today, I think if we name people, it's um, a couple things. Sometimes we name it after maybe a family member. 
Maybe there's someone in your family, like for us, each one of our children, their, their middle name is after a family member. So sometimes maybe you name a child after a family. So there's, there's a, a, a special connection there. There's, there's meaning behind it. Uh, maybe for some it's just you look through the thousand favorite names of boys or girls or whatever it is. You Google boy names or what's the hot list this year, and then you end up with a celebrity name like Apple <laughs> or whatever, right? Um, but, but back during this time, there was great meaning behind a name. That, that name was often a characteristic of that individual. And so as we think of these names, these are characteristics that are given to the coming Messiah. Think of that first one. Wonderful. Wonderful. When was the last time you stopped and thought about how wonderful Jesus is? Life is busy, isn't it? It's crazy. I mean, you got work, you got holidays, we got kids, we got to get our kids homework done, we got to do their school projects for them so they don't fail, right? So most of us are redoing, I'm, Courtney and I are redoing the fourth grade all over again. Right? I mean, that's, that we, we do all those things, right? I mean, we got to get one from one practice to the next practice. And most of us in this room were foolish enough not to stop with one child. We got to have a whole busload of kids. And we, so we just increase the, the problems that we face, right? It gets busy. We, we, have, we have deadlines for work. Well, we have to get all that stuff done. It doesn't end at home. Um, life is complicated. And so oftentimes, those complications become our focus. And we carry that into the season. I made reference to this last week. Um, you know, our community the last couple weeks has been hit fairly hard. We had the gun shooting in, um, at Florida State. And then a few days later, there was the ambush with the police officer that was killed and then the first responders. Those are tragic things, aren't they? You know, it amazes me sometimes that in the midst of some of these, what we consider and think of the most joyous holidays, we can witness and see some of the most heinous crimes We can see the brokenness of people. I uh, sat with a family uh, that same week. All that stuff happened, and they had no connection to that. This is a family that has, isn't part of our church, so you don't have to figure out who it is. Um, Four kids, most of which are grown. Their their youngest is... um, about to graduate. And um, they have four kids. This is a family that's involved in ministry. Good, godly people. And three of their four kids are running from God as fast as they can. They have no regular relationship with Christ. They are doing bad things um, and are constantly getting in trouble. And I sat here on this stage 
with that husband and wife. Tears rolling down the dad's face, broken over grown kids that he trained differently. This is hard. These are hard things, aren't they? Sometimes all these things can become our focus. So in the midst of all that, when was the last time we stopped and thought that despite that, how wonderful Jesus is? Because sometimes what ends up happening is we decide to cast the blame on him. As if Jesus orchestrated that to occur. And we forget that we live in a fallen world. When was the last time we considered how wonderful Jesus is? When was the last time we stopped, took a deep breath, and considered all the blessings in our life that he has given to us? Yeah, we might be in a rough patch. We might be hitting a brick wall right now. But even when we're in that rough patch, even when times are tough, we stop and consider how wonderful he is. counselor I dare say the largest section in a bookstore is self-help we read books about it we watch Dr. Phil to try and figure out how to orchestrate our life I'm not against counseling folks I believe um, this. I've told you this before I grew up with an alcoholic father. I remember as a young child, elementary, middle school, I remember my mom taking my sister and I to a psychiatrist and talking. I think those are good, those are healthy things. But you know who's better than that psychiatrist that we got to go pay money to go see and talk to? You know who has the answer that they don't? Do you know um, who, who, who has vast more knowledge than the book you're about to read? It's Jesus. How often do we go to him in those times of need? Where is, when the crisis in life arrives, where do we turn first? Where do we go first? Where do we, where do we go to seek all the answers? He's the counselor. You know, we, we sometimes forget, remember going back to, to, John, or to, to, to uh, Isaiah 9, 6, the humanity and the divinity of God. We forget sometimes that, that Jesus was all man just as he was all God. He experienced life just like us. Um, folks, we, you, we can read in Acts, when Jesus died on the cross and ascends to heaven, he doesn't leave his humanity here on earth. That's a nature that he continues to have. He's at the right hand of God speaking on our behalf. He's experienced everything that we have. He's wonderful. He's an amazing counselor. How about this, a mighty God. A mighty God 
strong, powerful, mighty God. We see the mighty power of God all throughout the Scriptures. Everywhere we see the power and the strength of God. Guys, this book, this Bible is not a book of fairy tales. That story of David and Goliath literally happened. I think next week, there's a movie coming out with Christian Bale playing Moses. Now, I have no idea if it's a good movie or not. From my understanding, that Noah movie was awful. Like the only biblical perspective, the only biblical thing that was true to the movie was the name. So I'm not saying this book, this, this new movie is great, but, but, but that stuff that we read about, those plagues, they happen. Moses, I would have loved to have been there when Moses part of the Red Sea. How amazing. I, I, can just, I, I can imagine like walking through there on dry ground and like being able to see like fish swimming by. Like that's powerful. Folks, Jesus Christ, the one, the one that we're celebrating, coming here, being born. Last week, we talked about him dying for us. All that he goes through on that, that torture, that cat of nine tails, the beating and the eventual death on a cross. But he was so mighty, so powerful that even death could not hold him down. Three days later, the, the tombs rolled away. The, the, he, he's, he's alive. That's God, mighty, powerful, strong. He's wonderful. It's amazing. The best counselor we could ever go to, the one who has all the answers to every single problem we'll face. He's so powerful. Everlasting Father. Jesus didn't come into creation in Bethlehem on that Christmas morning. He always was, that idea of everlasting. Remember, we talked about this in John John 1. You guys remember that very first beginning of the our journey here at Redemption Hill after we went through the Great Commission. We talked about John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing and anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of the men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus was there at the beginning. Jesus was right there in creation. Everlasting Father. And that final name there. Prince of Peace. In this world of chaos... In our own lives. During this holiday season. 
We all need peace, don't we? We all need that refuge. That place to go. That one that will provide the protection and the help. Think and ponder and meditate on those characteristics that Isaiah gave about Jesus hundreds of years before the manger. And he was wonderful. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. There's no end. There's no end to Jesus. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And so if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to underline that final part of verse 7. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's a promise that Isaiah makes. Israel will be be in bondage they'll be they'll 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 be captives they're going to lose this spotlight this idea of 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 being oppressed will 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 carry with them for a long time that's the great struggle that we even see the new testament with the disciples is is they're still thinking they're anticipating a Messiah that's going to come in a form of government that's going to overthrow the literal government, that's going to wipe the Romans out, and they're going to restore the Jewish rule. That's not going to occur until the second coming. But it's a promise, a double promise in this passage that one the Son of God will come in the form of a child. That ministry of that Messiah will be joy. And then he's going to come back and conquer. This, this week, I'm not saying don't buy Christmas presents. I'm not saying there won't be any chaos. But let's not fall into that trap to where we're one of those 40% who consider Christmas a cultural holiday. It's an amazing day. It's an amazing season for us to celebrate a wonderful counselor wonderful counselor mighty God 
the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What's also about this, those characteristics there, those are things that, characteristics of him at the point of, sec- of the second coming, when all the nations look to him and that. But the reality is this, he's that to us today. And those characteristics, I know this, one of those characteristics of Jesus is needed by every single one of us in this room today. There's one in here today that needs Jesus. Needs to remember that Jesus is wonderful. There's, I know, at least somebody in here today that that needs to go to Jesus as their counselor. They need to quit trying to improve themselves or whatever. They need to go to him for the answers. There's someone here today that need to remember that he is a mighty God. He's stronger and bigger than anything that we're ever going to face. There's some that need to remember that he's the everlasting father. He always was, he always will be. He's not taking a time out. He's not late for the party. He's the everlasting Father. And then for some, it's the Prince of Peace. It's the Prince of Peace. You need peace in your life. And the only way that you will find peace True peace is through Jesus Christ. Everything else, every other avenue, will fail. You won't find peace through your finances. You won't find peace through your family. You won't find peace through the gifts that we open this Christmas. Because if we're all honest, and if we're in a spirit of reflection, most of us can't even recall what we got last year for Christmas. Peace isn't going to come through any of those things. It will only come through Jesus Christ. That's it. So I hope this year, as we go through this Advent season, this week, We can be like the people during Isaiah's day that led all the way up into the day of Luke chapter 2. We can be waiting for something. We can be preparing for something. A Messiah. The Messiah has come. We can celebrate that. And we can make this season truly about this amazing God who came in the form of a baby. I challenge you the next few weeks I may step on some toes but know this I've already kicked myself in the shins 
Let's look at Christmas different this year. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day and for all the things that you've done for us. I thank you, God, for this season of Christmas. And Lord, um, I pray that as we, as a faith family, go through this holiday, that we don't get so caught up in all the things of Christmas, that we lose out on the presence of you. Lord, help us as a faith family not to turn Christmas into a cultural holiday, but a season of true celebration for a wonderful counselor. wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Oh, this morning, I don't know um, what was brought into this room, but I do know that you're here And you meet us exactly where we're at. So, Holy Spirit, I ask that you begin to work on our hearts and our minds and our souls and our spirits. I pray that you begin to tear our lives apart. Lord, help us to come to truly grasp what this season is about, why we celebrate it. And this year, look at it from a different perspective. Enjoy our family, yes. Enjoy the gifts that we get. Enjoy the giving of the gifts. But more importantly, worship and enjoy you, our Savior. So work in a big way, God. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to please stand. Um, We're going to do a song of invitation. Um, And after the invitation, I'm going to come up here and say a few words. And and then... um, lead in transition into our communion this morning. Um, I, again, like I said, I believe all those characteristics that we talked about, just that, that each one of us here today need all of them, but maybe one of those is more needed than others. I'm going to ask for you to really consider and pray and think about, about that today. I don't know what decisions need to be made. If a decision needs to be made. But I do know this. I say this often. Every week we ought to come to church expecting life change. We ought to expect the Holy Spirit. We ought to expect God to change our lives. It doesn't matter how young we are or how old we are. God never gives up on us. God never stops growing us. And so if you feel the Holy Spirit prodding you, showing you things today, please answer. Please follow. Quit being stubborn. Follow his leading. So we're going to sing a song, and I'm going to come back and ask a few questions. But, but let's just meditate on what God has for us.
have everyone bow your heads and close your eyes this morning um, you, you find yourself knowing that what was spoken uh, what we read those those names of Jesus those attributes those characteristics during this season of your life like there's one of those things you needed today you would just be completely honest and you would just say, listen, this year, um, this last whatever, I've gotten off track. Um, I've been going through the motions. Um, honestly, we're into the Christmas season. We got through Thanksgiving and I'm more concerned. I've been more focused on buying Christmas presents than celebrating Jesus Christ. And so um, this morning, you would just say like, I'm not going to get caught up in all of this other stuff. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy this season, but I'm going to enjoy this season because I'm going to focus in on Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the whole one that we're supposed to be celebrating. This year, he's going to be the focus. So if that's you this morning, just say, I've been off course, but I'm coming back. Would you just simply raise your hand up? Amen. 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 It's awesome. And the second question is, is this. You would say, I, I listen, I'm be honest with you. Um, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Like, Christmas has always been a cultural holiday for me because there was never one to celebrate. Today, like I, I want that wonderful counselor. 
I want that mighty God. I want that everlasting Father. I want that Prince of Peace in my own life. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but today you want to, would you just simply lift your hand up, raise it in the air so I can see it? Y'all can be seated. We're going to pray in a a moment. Um, This morning, it's been a while. Unfortunately, I'm I'm sad to say it's been as long as it has been since we've done the Lord's Supper. I I believe it's an important sacrament of the church. It's something that we ought to do. We ought to do it a lot more frequently than we do. I do think it's very fitting at this time of year that we start this season off remembering him. So this morning we're going to do communion. So for some of you, um, maybe you've never done communion with us. Um, So let me just kind of walk us through this a little bit. In in just a moment, um, the worship team is going to um, begin to sing a song. When they start to sing a song, um, I'm going to ask for those who want to participate in communion to come up here and to grab um, communion cup. Now, um, These are made where there's the wafer up top and the juice underneath it. So there's two parts to kind of lift up. So if we have kids in here, moms and dads, you might need to assist. Um, we'll start with the, the wafer first, and then we'll do the juice second. Um, just, just wait until um, afterwards to do that. But, but as we do that, I'm going to ask for you to, to come forward, um, take your communion cup, go back to your seat. Um, but here's what I want to address first before we even start this. Sometimes people ask to say, well, who should take communion? Um, we don't have a policy as far as um, a closed communion where, where some churches will say you have to be a part, you have to be a member of that church in order to participate in um, communion. We, I, I don't believe that's, at least for this church. Um, I believe that you need to be a believer. You need to have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, this Communion, what we're about to do is um, us to truly remember Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he did for us, what he means. But I also want to tell you this. It's, it goes beyond just being a Christian. Just being a Christian um, doesn't just give us the right to um, do communion. Um, Paul in 1 Corinthians offers a warning. And, and as your pastor, I, I want to echo that same warning because I, I believe it was true in Paul's day. I believe it's true today. Um, Paul says this and. Uh, and if you want to open your Bibles and look at it, you can. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. This is after Jesus kind of gives the communication of the Lord's Supper. It says this, Whoever eats, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself and then... So eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world.
So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for me, wait for one another. If anyone is in a hurry, let him eat at home so that then you come together. It will not be for judgment. It's a kind of a powerful passage because Paul warns us that if we're just drinking a cup of juice and eating a piece of bread, our lives aren't right with Christ. That we're not doing this in a worthy manner. Now listen, folks, um, some beliefs will, will tell you that they believe that this literal juice is the blood of Christ and this wafer is the literal body of Christ. Uh, this is grape juice in a stale wafer. Okay? It's not the literal body. It's not the literal blood of Christ. But that does not take away the importance of what we're about to do. Last week, our Thanksgiving service, we talked about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on a cross for us. And I warned myself and you as well that our faith should not be cheap. Our faith and a Savior who died a horrible death for us. And it wasn't just a death, but it was the beatings prior to the death. That sacrifice was not cheap. So sometimes this, this idea of communion is a great way for us to do some self-reflection. If there's areas in our lives that need to be addressed things that we need to come clean with God about. We ought to do that before we partake in the communion. So my challenge for us this morning as we do this, it's more than juice in a wafer. It's us remembering Jesus Christ. And don't do it in a cheap manner. So we're going to begin this and, and the worship team is going to come is, is going to sing a song. And as they sing, don't, don't wait till the end. As they sing, if you want to participate in it, just come up here, um, grab one of these, come back, go back to your seat. Um, I would encourage you to spend some time in prayer, reflecting, seeking forgiveness if you need to seek forgiveness, doing whatever the Holy Spirit leads and lays on your heart. But let's, uh, let's go ahead and I'm going to pray and then the worship team will begin. Lord, um, this morning... We thank you for the opportunity for us to gather as a family. To contemplate and to ponder and remember you and your sacrifice. Lord, I pray that as we go through this time of communion, that you make this a really special time for us individually. I pray that maybe this is a time that, that our hearts are retuned we all need to come to you in forgiveness, God. We all fall desperately short. Lord, I pray you take away the pride in our lives. Break down those walls. Help us to truly come to you, God, this morning at a time of communion. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.